Welcome to 26 of Bachelor Pastor. Maybe the last episode of Bachelor Pastors ever. I leave for Africa oh, next week. Leave for Africa and might die. Next Thursday I'll be next Thursday I'll be right now over the mid-Atlantic, flying towards Qatar, um, hoping that I don't die on Mount Kilimanjaro. I uh, I read a book last night about people who failed to climb the mountain. And what it means like what it means That's to get out what it means to get altitude sickness at like nineteen thousand feet, like three hundred feet from the top, and I freaked out last night, so Maybe I'll just be here. Maybe I'll just bail on a trip, a trip altogether and not go. Oh, you could do like a Buster Bluth and you could pretend to go and take selfies. And, play play and, claw machine. But really, you're just... <laughs> I had a, I had, even Buster's playing claw machine. I had a mild, mild panic attack last night reading about this dude's altitude sickness. And you can't train for it. So you just go up there and your body quits. Your body just says, to hell well, with this. Well, then you're going on an African safari after that, right? Well, then There's I'm going to chance to die. I'm going to spend a couple of days like photoshopping myself into pictures at the summit so that I can lie about whether I made it hey, to the top or not. Here I am. Because I will not come back here and tell, tell you guys that I failed on that. So, mm. Have you ever been to Africa? I have not. Uh, we are joined, Tom McKittrick, um, artist, world traveler. You know, you're sort of like a traveler. You sort of just—I feel like you're like Kang from or uh, from Kung Fu. You just kind of you just travel the world. There you go. Um, and uh, pastor, former pastor, yep. maybe future pastor too. Farm boy from Wisconsin. So let's hear about that because I don't <laughs> know the story. All I know is I always tell people you were at this really fancy church that's here in Cincinnati, uh, which I think is pretty prestigious to be able to say because that's like. I feel like they have high standards, right? Like, really high standards? Uh, obviously. <laughs> there's, there's a church here in Cincinnati, to, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, um, and I feel like, man, it's cool to be called to whatever you're called to, but their vision is that they are called to people who make a lot of money? They, they would say that they're called to reach people of great influence. Okay. Mm. Oh, Clever. I mean, we're so they clever with our words. In. They might let me in there. <laughs> they might. <laughs> well, so the head pastor at that church actually came and spoke to one of my leadership classes at seminary, mm-hmm. and me and him didn't get along. <laughs> like, I asked some difficult questions, and it wasn't part of the program, which was typical. I went out of my way to do that at, at my <laughs> seminary. I went out of my way to train Rick nice. the presentations on a regular basis just for sport. But this one was, because my question was, I was like, so let's say I came to your church dressed like a hobo as I typically do and he's like oh well we would just find a different place for you to plug in like we would f- help you find a church where you would fit in better he's like you're not going to fit in here you're not going to enjoy it so how can we help you serve well the and that guy would say that people who make such and such amount of money don't won't feel wouldn't feel comfortable in a church with like poor people so that's why they do it so they could reach them but I was like, and what? But so here's my question. That's fine. <laughs> I mean, if that's really what Jesus has called you to, I'm like, okay, man. I, I didn't call me to that. So could I get that call? But <laughs> what do I gotta do? But to get that my call? question is: Is there ever in that church? Is there ever a call to? Hey, I know this is how it is, and this is why you're here. But that's also not right. Or do they do that sort of like challenge? Like, this isn't the way we should be living. Like, you should be accepting to or comfortable with everyone or. Poor people, or <clears throat> that's the, those. Those are that's a lot of questions all piled into one. There, mm. um, I would say that you know one of the one of the statements that I use over and over and over to help me deal with people is I say, you know, we, we judge ourselves by our intent and mm. we judge other people by their actions. Mm. And and so I'm going to tell you that I think their intent is is 100% right. I think their hearts are in the right places. They they're they're trying to reach a, a demographic that's 
almost impossible to reach. Right. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I'm not there anymore, and, there, there, and, there, and there's a reason for that. So, um, you know, I think that that that, that demographic or, or people that fall into that demographic, they're really not any different than any of the rest of us. Yeah. And they're looking for something different. If they're really searching and they're looking for for something. They're looking for something different. They're not looking for more of what they already have, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that was that was was my concern. And, and you know, I've just seen so many examples of other situations where you know people of of influence. I, I don't care what you call them, but wealthy people, prominent people, right. whatever. Um, Richie riches. Richie riches. Um, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, when when they really find that place where you know they're going to get reached and, and God's going to touch them or pull on them or yank them. It's, it's usually with somebody that's probably not exactly the same as them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's... So they did not dig that message there? No. <laughs> <laughs> that All was, right. That wasn't in total agreement. So tell me how you got, because I don't know your story, what's your story with Christianity in general? Like how did oh, you... I grew, up, I grew up in a, in a Christian home, so... Um, like an evangelical... Yeah, pretty much. Um, it was it was fairly legalistic, right? So there was a that's lot of evangelical. there was a lot of there were a lot of rules like we couldn't dance, we couldn't. Oh wow, that's really legalistic. We, we couldn't play cards. We couldn't the play church pool. Was we no cards. No cards. We couldn't go to a restaurant that served alcohol. What's so bad about the cards? <clears throat> oh, just gambling. If, if you I guess? don't know, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> is it just um, the gambling, or is it like I mean, could you not yeah. play like like go fish or something either? Or does um, Go Fish we, a gateway to poker? We could play Go Fish with cards that look like old maid cards, but oh. we couldn't play it with like cards that look like old like, cards. That's fascinating to me. Um, our worship leader, Monty, he, the first time we met him, I won't go too detailed in the story, but like, he, uh, you know, he had, wasn't into his Christianity at the time and is now, obviously, but he was like, everything was okay except for gambling. He was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because we were like, hey, we're going to do a poker night. You want to come hang out? And he's like, whoa, I don't gamble. It's a devil's game. <laughs> like, and we was like, what? That's where you draw the line? Everything else but gambling? Uh, he's like, I'll do anything else, guys. I really want to really gamble with him. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> That's the devil's game. Um, yeah, mine wasn't so much dancing in cars. That was okay. But mine was stuff like, Music was a big deal. You couldn't listen to non-Christian music or, um, well, if it was not modern non-Christian music, like my parents lived all their, like, like 60s and uh, Her 70s. Her from the Tijuana Brass. Yes. And, uh, and, still um, the weirdest album cover I've ever seen in my, my life. My dad had that album. <laughs> I still remember it. Mm -hmm. Every pawn shop in the world has, the go to Goodwill right now, I guarantee you that Tijuana, that album, that, who, Herbert, what's his last name? Herb no. Alpert. Herb Albert, that album is at Goodwill right now, I guarantee it. It's also at Salvation Army in Norwood. Um, but yeah, D&D, &D, things like that were like really evil. And the only things I ever remember was boycotting was the movie theater that played G uh, Last Temptation of Christ, the Stanley Kubrick film. And you were really young. Um, <laughs> my parents were like, we can't go to that movie theater. And now I'm like, what was your deal? And they're like, now they're just like, look, yeah, this is what the preacher said. So we just listened. I was like, man, good on that preacher. Right. <laughs> I, there's no way we could get people to stop going to a movie theater. Don't go there anymore. Although you almost got people to stop going to Habits. No, they're just doing behind my back. <laughs> <It's behind laughs> they, do they don't tell me about <laughs> but it. But that had to do morality. They're all lying to me about it. I didn't have any rules growing up. We had no moral. Like, we were, my parents were both Christians growing up, but we didn't go to church until I was in junior high school. 
but there was even at the church like there was no I could I listened to Metallica and Megadeth and all those bands at the time mm-hmm. and nobody gave nobody cared about <laughs> did they those. have harsh things on sexuality in there like that no, was the biggest one no I mean they did sex the, is like the worst thing you could possibly do they everything talked else was they bad. tried to scare us out of having it's sex like but it really was because they didn't want kids getting pregnant as teenagers like it was really like that's the worst thing you can do in suburban America is get a girl pregnant because for the most part you're going to get away with everything else right there's if you get if you some petty crime that you probably know that the the police are I the petty crime I got caught doing they just went and talked to my parents I got in trouble with my parents like I didn't go to jail for for anything because I didn't do anything serious but sex was the one that had the the one place where you had lifelong consequences right. if you botched that so it wasn't from a morality standpoint it was just don't get pregnant and Kim and I certainly had to walk through that after we got married on like yeah. years of being shamed from this yeah but, but it wasn't with the God hates you or God's man like it wasn't. Presbyterians, yeah, there's a lot of guilt. In but they're just Presbyterians, right? They're, everything's fine. They're, everything's predestined, right? <laughs> you're a cow. Everything's everything's going like to work out the way. Have a baby. Everything's going to work out the way. It's going to work out there. And, and they didn't. They never taught that sort of like explicit calendars like some of the new reformed guys do. But it still sat underneath everything they did. Everything right. will work out. Yep. Everything's going to go the way it's supposed to that's go nice, there. Actually, we, and it's uh, actually how they. When I worked at that church, that's how they treated things. We did all the true love weights and the purity rings and the second virginities. Come and get your second virginity. Like I remember people getting up there, like mm, now we know something about that person. <laughs> <laughs> get her, get her number, man. Get, get her, her number. number. <laughs> I'm, I'm so much older than you guys because that was all like that was like the next step. Yeah, that was when like, I was growing up. It was just sex was bad. Yeah, that was that's all we got taught. Sex was sex was bad. This has been the week. This is the week I had to have the talk with my oldest son, Ooh. which was it was really good. He's such a good kid, and it was a and I've I've talked to some of my friends about it because the story's it's pretty it's super cute and fun. But it was my parents never did that with me. Right, like mm-hmm. my parents were never interested in having that conversation with mm-hmm. me. The only thing, the first time I ever learned about sex was from watching Fatal Attraction, <laughs> which is good and healthy, well balanced. That was Roadhouse, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which I still was like, I don't know what's happening. There. Um, <laughs> The uh, we need to chat later. One of my, <laughs> one of my favorite. He's, um, he's understanding what his role in Judy Church is. So gonna wait be a now. second, what's going on right now? <laughs> I've been doing it all right. One of uh, my uh, there's a lady at the church, and one I like what she said. Told her oldest child was, uh, you know, there's not a lot we can do really to impress God. Mm-mm. And there's not. She feels there's not a lot that God asks us to do. And she's like, I feel like waiting till you're married is something that we can really say, Hey, look, God, I'm going to do this for you. And so you should try to do that. That was sort of her whole thing. I was like, Oh, I like that. It's kind of simple and meaningful. And because I always struggle with, you know, I certainly don't want to do what my tradition did with put so much pressure and like so much. You are evil if you like even the Bible college I went to. You right. could do drugs, okay, wearing a, you could yep. drink, but if you got pregnant or you were having sex, you were just kicked out. And um and so that's certainly not healthy. And uh but you know, I also think it's important like uh you know, we waited, so I, I feel like it's important like but then there's also this I always think if I'm thinking on a historical mindset like Man, it's easy for the Bible people to say that they they're all dead 13, by 30 and years old. married at 12 like uh <laughs> Like, yeah, when people are waiting to get married till they're thirty, yeah, that's, that's a whole. That's a, lot. That's a yeah. whole. We're asking something yeah. that I feel like goes against nature, and that's hard. So I, it's a it's a yeah. hard conversation. Well, it's my fun my oldest son got married when he was twenty one, I think, mm-hmm. and his wife was nineteen. So they were really are they still young. married. Yeah. Oh, yeah. awesome. And um, and so it was like that was part of the discussion I had with them was yeah. was, you know, if if, if you get to the point 
where this is really compelling. Right. <laughs> you know, marriage is the answer. Right. But you have to be ready to be married for the rest of your life. Right. Because yeah. that's what happens and, in Bible colleges. People want to have sex real bad. Yeah. They also feel the same way. Yep. They get married, have the sex, and realize there's a lot more to marriage than just yeah. sex. <laughs> marriage stops after yeah. or sex stops after marriage, right? right. <laughs> or something. And they're like, oh, I have to really sacrifice for this person or care about this person, and that's hard to do, yeah. and it's not easy. And yeah, we were married pretty young, too. And you were, too, right? 22. Yeah, I was 23. Chris was 21. All right, so grew up in that church. <laughs> yep. This is what we're good at is rabbit trails. I, I like rabbit trails. <laughs> rabbit trails are good. And uh, I grew up on a farm. Ooh. Where? And, where? In Wisconsin. Ah. So um, I was, was real involved in, in agriculture. Grew up in... What did you have on the farm? Cows. Holstein? Dairy, dairy cows. Then we had Guernseys. Gotcha. Um, and uh, one of the things that um, I dealt with in, in that whole stoic farm community yeah. was, you know, was was getting the love from my parents. Even though I knew my parents yeah. loved me, my dad just passed away a couple of years ago, and he, he never got to the point where he was able to say, I love you. So he yeah. just sort he, of the he never farmer, got man's man's yep. idea. <clears throat> and so I really, really struggled with that. And so I, I soon found out that, that what I could do was I could do things where he would say he was proud of me. Hmm. And so I really hmm. hammered that round. Sort of like an as you wish sort of thing. Well, I, I, w- I would say what it created in me was a lot more of a performance addiction. Yep. Oh, interesting. So, oh, so I, I really, I was, I was the, st- I was the star child for, you know, when, by the time I was twenty, I was elected president of a, a student organization of twenty-one thousand people. Oh, wow. So, and I went from there to a really, really prominent position at the University of Wisconsin. Very, very what did you, did you, did you I, teach? No, I was what was called the state dairy youth specialist. Um, so I was responsible for the dairy project in 4-H right. and FFA oh, wow. statewide. Because yeah. you were so, heavily involved in Cal State. So right. at 22 years of age, I was running around telling people how to have 4-H project meetings yeah. and how to all and crazy, did your crazy dad stuff. And was proud of you? Oh, yeah. And then I went from there to doing fundraising for the National FFA organization. So I had territory from Wisconsin and Illinois on over to Washington, Oregon, did corporate fundraising. Wow. Are we um, doing horrible things to cows and our milking of them? No. As you hear no. from the people that no. do those things? No. No. Cows are, cows are like, um, cows are living beings, and if you don't treat them well, they don't do well. Mm. So the, the farms that are, are doing well, that are getting... In, in order to, to, to get the to make happy cows, the California, even though I'm you know anti California, ca- the California happy cows commercials. You yeah. remember those? Yeah. There's a lot of truth in that. Mm. Happy cows give more milk. Healthy cows give more milk. Mm. And so, like you know, I have a buddy who's the largest dairy farmer in the state of Wisconsin, and uh, you know he has full time veterinarians on staff. Yeah. Just, just to keep his his cows healthy. So they're just like they're just like athletes. Mm. You know, they're just you know. And and some of them, the the cows that are the what I would call the breeding stock, they live lives that make ours look pretty, pretty <laughs> primitive. Nice. They get they get treated pretty well. So they're not on conveyor belts with like machines just milking them all day until they dry up and dead. I wish everyone could see your gesture of that because that's the second time I've seen it, and it's yeah. it's, it's, it's really quite. I don't even know what I'd say. Amusing. I'll use that word. I can't talk about milking without doing the gesture. Absolutely. 
Did you, and I'm did not you sure. see it a lot in the dairy like conventions? Like people that, just like, hey. That gesture? No. <laughs> no? <laughs> no? I feel like it would be everywhere. No. You know, it kind of goes like this. Or the, the our machines go like this or whatever. No, but, we need, but we need to have that discussion back to the sex thing because the, <laughs> the, the, on you, Justin, they're up a little higher. <laughs> 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 I, um, I remember this is a funny story because it kind of falls in there but I was probably eight or nine and a cow had a calf down in the pasture and my dad sent me down to find out if it was a, a bull or a heifer right and I came back up and said it was a heifer and when my dad went down it was a bull so then he's like well you don't know the difference between a bull and a heifer and I said well it had teats we called them teats right, right. And he goes I said, well, it had teats. And he said, well, so do you. <laughs> I, went, I went, oh, okay. Perfect. That's hilarious. i got to figure this out. <laughs> we have to have a whole other conversation. So then growing up in that world, was Christianity just part of the culture? This is what everyone was? Were you really into it? Were you like, was God real? Or was it just, hey, my, my parents and culture, just everyone else thinks so, so we all just do this? Or? Both. 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 It was, it was real. Um, but there was also some performance stuff with it. Right. So I, I, I dealt with a lot of guilt and shame because obviously I didn't, I still sinned. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know. The guilt and the shame, man. The guilt and the shame just in a, in a legalistic right. culture. Um, was your dad really in? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. My dad, you know, even in that period of time back in the 60s, my dad was teaching children's Sunday school. Oh, really? Which was really unusual. I think he was the only man mm. who taught children's Sunday school. Mm. And my mom was like the superintendent of the, the children's department, yeah. and my dad was president of the church board. And I read an interesting study that they talked about for probably folks your parents' age that even if they didn't believe, there was still a lot of social capital to be gained by going to church. Yeah. Like culturally, especially in small Midwestern towns, everybody went yeah. to church, right? And the point was making is that there isn't any of that in the culture now. Like, you get no benefit from coming to the church. Nobody thinks you're a good person. Nobody thinks you're... And in fact, you might actually... might be the worst. You might suffer social loss because of that. And the point was, you don't have to question the dedication of the people coming to your church anymore because they're only here because they want to be. Even if you don't... If they're not as involved as you want them to be or those kind of things, if they're here, they get no external benefit that's not religious from this, which I thought was an interesting Mm -hmm. shift. Their motivation might be a little tweaked. Yeah. But... But they're the, still, but they're still making the choice the to be there. They, they're not just going because everybody else does. Yeah. That, that's absolutely right. Although I will tell you that down here, <laughs> from Wisconsin, it's 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 there's there's much more expectation acceptance of going to church down here than huh. even even. Well, I I lived in the Madison area, which is fairly fairly liberal. Yeah. So. Hmm. Um, and Cincinnati's like the the northernmost southern city, right? Is what I've heard that it's still yeah. a yeah. southern town. I think. And yeah, somebody told me when I moved here, they said, "You know, you're not in the Bible Belt." And I said, "I'm a whole lot closer." <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> when I uh, I think in Carolina, there still is the expectation. All right, so you go to church on Sunday as you're like doing a lot of coke or something. Like, well, there's someone, still a yeah. little bit of that yeah. in Carolina. Like, oh, you, to say you go to church there. It doesn't mean anything. Like, they don't think, oh, you must be a good Christian. They just think, oh, yeah, we go to church because your mom still probably goes to that church and you show up twice a month or once a month to make your parents happy or whatever else it is. But there is uh, a... Well, I had someone in South Carolina tell me one time that you don't mow your lawn on Sunday morning. Mm. And I'm like, why? He said, because even if you're not in church, you want people to think you're in church. (laughs) So I'm well, like, well, what about Saturday night church? <laughs> this <laughs> real church. little old lady we met with last week, she was like, hey, 
you know, you guys are reaching young people. Have you seen the people in front of Sleepy Bee every morning on Sundays? And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, you need to go get them in church. They got, like, booze, think, at, they got booze at Sleepy Bee. I was like, I think they're probably enjoying their brunch. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, all right, so then what took you from out of the dairy into the, the church biz? Well, then after that, I spent 20 years running an organization in Wisconsin called World Dairy Expo. And you still went to the same kind of church during that 20 years? Um, n- yes and no. No, I we um, we went to, I think, three different churches during that period. Um, that's a whole other story. But um, yeah, one, I mean, in, in fact, I, I would say that that was part of my journey to get past the guilt and the shame and the mm-hmm. legalism to get mm-hmm. to grace and love. But um, certainly that was that was a part of all of that. Um, and I and I'm still still working on that, but um, well, the, the legalism is easy, right? The legalism it, it is. It, it, you know exactly what the expectations are. It right? is. You know where the boundaries are. Yeah. And that's what we fall back to. Yeah. I mean, we just we just typically fall back to it. I mean, we right. do that in our culture too, not just in our yeah. faith and our churches. Yeah. We're like, well, then let's pass a law to make this be the yeah. way we want it to be. No, yeah, and I, I find myself always saying what I think, or maybe a new thought that I've had that's refreshing, and then. When things are bad, I get back to the like, oh yeah, well, I get it. I haven't been doing my day, daily Bible study or something like right. that, like things that you're taught. I can't let go of it. I still have to do a daily, what we call them quiet times growing up. I have to do a daily quiet time, and there's no amount of, no amount of relaxing my religiosity that will let me let go of that. It was just ingrained early enough that it's just part of what I have to do every day. And, and probably, I don't think it's bad. And I'm probably still in the rebellion phase. Yeah. So I'm, I'm probably still going, yeah, you can't make me do that. Right. Right. So in fact, I have a buddy who's, he's like, you need, he keeps a gratitude journal, so every day he journals what he's thankful for. Right. That's just kind of where he's at. And he's like, you need to do this. And I'm like, yeah, I do. You're right. I need to do that. And then I got done, I'm going, no, I don't. I'm not doing it. But, but <laughs> what, it, what it did, what it did for me is... I can't make anything is, worse than writing down all the stuff, I think. <laughs> I can't either. But for me, what it's done, I mean, it's, it's been helpful, is because it's, it's caused me to think about that. Yeah. So when I'm going through a tough time, or I'm feeling down, or feeling guilty, or shamed, or whatever... I go okay. What am I thankful for today? Yeah, right. and um, so I, I can I can I can do that mentally. I just can't writing something yeah. down. Right. It's just and I lose it anyway. Pain. I don't hold on to things. Oh. oh, speaking of, I've got one of your notebooks in my bag. Oh, nice. You went to the church. I have Sunday. notebooks everywhere that have written, and <laughs> well, I write if, in the middle of it. I'd love to read it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just like four words and probably a bunch of drawings. A bunch of drawings. Oh. Um, <laughs> and most likely not great drawings. So anyway, to answer your question, what happened is I had done that for twenty years, and. Um, a guy that I knew at a little church that we had been really involved with, he had gone back to seminary and, and semi-retired and came down to Cincinnati to be the executive pastor at that church. Okay. And um, he had been here for a little over a year, I think, um, when he sent me an email that said, hey, we've been looking for any, uh, a spiritual growth pastor for a couple of years and we can't find somebody who we think will, a, a business guy mm-hmm. who we think can reach business guys Ooh. so, so that was, you were hired on the merit of your business savvy not your spirituality or correct or interesting was, was there any sort of like spiritual never test ever mm-hmm. like they, okay oh yeah because we went to church planning I mean, assessments where they didn't care at all about our spirituality they wanted to know how many people of influence do we know how much oh, really? money can we raise how good a, how good entrepreneurs can be would yeah be, was the only question. and not that that's an, not that that's an awful skill for church planners to have but there was no, like, there was not even a question of, do you read your Bible? Do you pray? 
are you serving? Do you do these kind of things? Like this, there was never once a spiritual question. All the leadership stuff we did was like Myers Briggs. Even like even when things like the Enneagram exists, which are a spiritual bend on things like the Myers Briggs or whatever, they didn't even take those. They just went straight Myers Briggs because they're all exact. They're all corporate guys who are good corporate leaders, and so that's just the world they know. Right. Well, I mean, what the two tests they gave me were the Berkman, which is Mm. a personality test. Well, it's. Incredibly expensive. Okay, that's and, why I don't know that. And then the, the business skills assessment test. Huh, that's interesting. Yeah. So I mean, and it's funny because the story in the business skills assessment test, which I thought was just this hilarious test, it was just, it was just a wild, off the wall kind of. Mm. They they hired somebody in Wisconsin to proctor it for me. Okay. All that kind of stuff. What kind and, of questions was it? Oh, it was it was like, if this and this, then this and what. I mean, it was that kind of stuff. Like an ACT-SAT kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, very much like so. Like logic-based questions. Yeah. It wasn't like, if you have 10 apples and you sell them for $20, you're... No, no if, if you're sitting in here, it would say, you know, Grover and guitar is equal to violin and what? And then it, you'd have multiple choice. And was there a right or wrong answer? Or was, oh, yeah. what did they Did they scale oh, no. you? Like, no, no. One answer told you one thing about you versus, like, personality type? No, it was a pass-fail. Oh, okay. And so the funny thing was, Did you say is violin and wallet? I, I I aced that test. Nice. Just because it it funct- it was a test that functions. Yeah. It, it had nothing to do with my business skills. <laughs> it was just that it was the kind of test I've always done really really well on tests. Mm-hmm. Tests right. make sense to me. I'm an education major. Yeah. To me, questions make sense. I, they, they don't freak me out at all. And I'm like, oh, I got to figure this out. And um, and so yeah, so that's that's how I ended up here. I wow. I, I spent. Before I left Wisconsin, I gave a message at the church there and said, here are the 12 reasons why I told God I'm not moving to Cincinnati. Mm. Right. And, um, you know, all the way from I'm not qualified, you know. My my kids were at really bad ages. My son was a senior in high school. Oh, yeah. Um, are you still friends with that guy? Oh, I don't keep in touch with him a lot, no. Is he still at that church? No. And that's part of the reason, I, I think, why I'm not there. He left... I'd been there about four years when he left, and a new executive pastor came in, and that's when. Did you preach and stuff? Too? I was asked to leave. I preached twice. Yeah. Was it cool? How many people they have there? It's a giant building. It's like the biggest. It's a big building, no, but it's not, not a big the, church. No, the the three hundred, four hundred. The sanctuary is three to four hundred. Oh wow! Yeah, you really can't get four hundred in there. Um, how much did you get paid? A I'm lot. really interesting. A lot. <laughs> Gosh. Probably. What a world. I, I don't know what you but they paid, stru- but, but I probably got paid at least twice what you're getting paid. Oh, probably, probably more, than more than that. But they structured because they because they they structured like a corporate payroll, right? Where they your did. education and all these yeah, kind of things yes, are commensurate. Yes, they did, and they paid me. I mean, I was making, I was running a several million dollar yeah. nonprofit in Wisconsin, and they paid me about ten thousand dollars a year less than what I was making. There. Yeah, and not that I was overpaid there, but right. um, I was I was pretty comfortable there. That's it. When the Presbyterian Church hired me, when they because I was a public school teacher. So yeah. I was making good money. I had benefits and everything. They came to me and said, we're going to pay you for the first three years what you would make if you stayed in public education so that your decision to go into ministry isn't based on whether you can provide for your family or not. Right. Which is, that's how those kind of organizations make those decisions. Yeah. It's why they dramatically overpaid their pastor there, though. Like, because he had a PhD, because he was running an organization that had a multi-million dollar budget and, you know, 40 or 50 volunteers and ten or five, 5 or 10 staff members. Like in the corporate world, that equals to this payment, so that's what we paid in this world. Um, there was a reason he was in ministry and not in the corporate world anymore, that he couldn't hack it in the other yeah, world. And yeah. so... Um, yeah. 
Well, I chaired two pastoral search committees in Wisconsin, oh. and that was that was kind of an interesting. And the one guy Did they give we, the trial sermon. Oh yeah, I love the trial sermons. Yeah, and the one guy that we ended up, he's he's been there for a long time now, probably 12, 13, 14 years, and um, he was he was actually a rocket scientist. And nice. Went, and went back wow. to, went back to seminary. Just an interesting interesting guy. So did you ever go to seminary? No. Do you wish you had? No. <laughs> it does create Pharisees. It does create um, um, You know, do I want to learn more? Yeah, I want to learn more, sure. but that's... School is not school is not my... Well, and I asked that because you said you liked it, like an education major. I wondered if you liked... I actually function really well in seminary because I like the structure of lecture assignment, learning, lecture learning assignment evaluation. I like that process. Since my mom won't listen to this, I can tell you that I drank most of the way through college. Yeah. So... Uh, I was telling somebody. Your mom's this, not listening to this. No, I, I, I told somebody <laughs> the story, story, story the other day that this was an example of how I went to school. Um, I was in a women's studies class because I was an education major, right. and we had to read this book called The Women's Room. And my buddy was in there, and I kept getting higher scores on everything I did than he did, and he was like not happy. Mm. So I said, "Well, you you can have a higher score on this one because this book is like this thick, and I'm not reading it." Right. And so I read the first two chapters and the last two and one out of the middle and wrote my paper and said, there, I'm done. The, pa- the professor passed out the papers and everybody got their papers back. He got a, like a 92. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, I didn't get my paper back. And I went, oh, mm. bad word. And um, he got up in front. He goes, the papers on this book were generally pretty good. I have to say it was, it was pretty good. But we did have one student who really grasped the full meaning of this book. Oh. And I want to read you his paper. Ah. And I went, huh. So he starts reading, and I'm going, oh, that's mine. <laughs> and I got like a 98. Wow. That's awesome. So that's how I went to school. I did that with some seminary books. I had yeah. some seminary books, especially, especially with like Christian leadership books. Read the first chapter, read the last chapter, read the table of contents. You pretty much got the book. There's nothing There's nothing interesting being said there. Well, I saw a lot of books. But yeah, I made it all the way through college without reading a book. Oh, I didn't read a book either. Uh, in my so, Bible college, uh, for the most part, you were never tested on your knowledge of the books. You uh, had to f- fill out whether or not you read it. Whatever percentage of the book you read is the percentage you get. So if you only read 60% of the book, you get a 60. So I read, self-reported. I read 100% of every <laughs> book according to my grades. But so uh, Justin the liar. No, sometimes I would do this. I would... Flick through every single page, maybe read a word on every page, but like, I read, I read every page. page. Oh. My, my favorite, that sounds like legalism to me. My favorite, <laughs> it was a legalistic college. I my favorite seminary story ever is I was failing Hebrew. Failing. I, I suck at languages. Failing Hebrew. And the professor proxied the exam and then left. Oh, this is awesome. And asked the last person in the class, the, the exam, to bring all the exams over to her, her office when they're done. And I was like, so I had mono. We just had our second kid. I suck at language. I'm gonna. I'm boldly going to cheat on this exam. I want to wait till every person's done. I know exactly whose exam I'm gonna go take and copy, so I can be done with this. Now take Hebrew again. And I know. And I said, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm going to lie and cheat my way through this one because I do not trust you to help me out here. <laughs> and uh, and then I looked across the room, and there's one kid sitting like this with his pen down. I was like, Damn it, he's got the same plan that I do. And the whole time, I'm like, Shit, the waiting game now. How am I gonna do this? And the best student in the class, who's a pastor in Cincinnati now. Comes in and he's like, guys, I forgot to put my name on the exam. I got all the way home and realized I forgot to put my name on my exam. And I, I kind of laughed at him. So I go back to it. And you, there, she'd print out a lexicon for words that, like, you maybe you didn't know they were part of the thing. And he goes up and he starts looking. He's like, 
my exam's not up here. And I'm, I'm like, oh. And the other kid had it. The other kid had it. And the other kid had to be like, oh, I must have accidentally picked up your exam. <laughs> picked up the lexicons. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> he did it. <laughs> you got busted. You got through. He, he fell through the plan. And this dude was, because this dude is still like, probably one of the most impeachable characters, I, unimpeachable characters I know. Like he's a good and honest dude. Yeah. Was livid. And he walked out of the room. And so I messaged him as he walked out. I'm like, dude, are you going to tell on him? And he's like, no, nah, I don't want to deal with it. And he's like, but I made the decision then. I was like, oh, shit, that was close. I'm not doing it. So I went out and finished my exam. And she gave me a mercy C. And I, I managed to pass the class. Although I Ooh, I, got a, I did not have average knowledge of, of Hebrew language. but I got a mercy grade in Greek. Uh, I aced beginner Greek, aced intermediate Greek. Uh, and then, But I had a teacher who we know. He was actually on the podcast, Thatcher who didn't care about, he wasn't into accent marks and things like that. He was really into translating and was really into vocabulary. And so those are the things I was really good at. And then the advanced teacher, though, was a different teacher, and he was over the top on accent marks and, and those kind of things. And so I went up to him and I was like, I think I'm going to not take advanced Greek because you're a lot more strict than Dr. Thatcher was, so I'm just not. And he's like, just take it. And so I'm like barely getting through. And so my, I, this is how I got through high school, my projects. So my final final project would be to translate some Matthew or something, and I went and bought papyrus and I like wrote it in this like cool script and I put it in this box. And I put some like dirt in the box and little like all this stuff and I was and I wrote a little tale about how I found it buried and blah blah blah. And he uh, called me up and he was like, "I'm gonna give you a C on this exam because you put a lot of work into it, but just know I would have bled all over this papyrus with red ink because it was so bad." I'm like. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor. <laughs> and anyways, hey, can I ask a personal question? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it? I may not answer it. <laughs> <laughs> was it ministry? Because uh, you had you divorced, right? Correct. Was it ministry that did that, no. or was that before that, or after that? It was after that. Oh, gotcha. Was she involved in the ministry? Yes. And so, what does it have? Any, it has anything to do with? that whole process or was it always sort of kind of not working out I don't know I don't know the details oh wow it, it was always sort of kind of not working out mm-hmm. right um, and in fact I told a, a friend of mine and, and again when we were living in Wisconsin and I, I was making a lot of money and, and doing that kind of thing um, money can medicate a lot of problems mm-hmm. and somebody said well what did you do when you guys would have a fight and I said well I would buy a piece of jewelry I'd redo a room in the house or we'd go on vacation mm-hmm. those three things cover up a lot of problems right um, and I just so anyway um, when we moved here we moved here in 07 which is not a good time to yeah. buy and sell houses mm-hmm. right and so we had a house in Wisconsin that we actually dropped the price in half and still couldn't sell it mm-hmm long story on that one and then we had a house here too that we were completely I mean we had zero equity in it like not a dime because we had such amazing credit they just gave us their everything and so when I um, and we were able to string that along for several years and um, I I told a buddy of mine I said if I lose my job at the church I'm gonna lose my house if I lose my house my wife will leave me Mm. and uh, and he's like no like you're you're stupid and I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> and that happened. So I, I lost my job, and then about two years later, we lost the house. And less than a year after that, she left. Right. Oh, wow. 
There, and, there, there's a lot more behind. Yeah, she, she was uh, an intense personality, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, I remember some of that. Um, what? Uh, and then, how many kids do you have? I have four. How old were they when all this? Or how? Or how old are they now? Um, now they're between eighteen and twenty-eight. Got it. Are they all in Cincinnati? Yeah. Nice. Yep. Did they move with you guys? Um, or do they come here after you guys moved here? The one came here after. Okay. We let the one live in our house in Wisconsin for his last semester of his senior year in high school by himself. That is awesome. So he was he was he was old for his class. He was already he'd been eighteen yeah. for six months or so. That's cool. That's first of all, that's a cool experience for him too. Yeah, it was. Did he do it, well it, with it? No. <laughs> <laughs> I would let my oldest do that. I wouldn't but, let my youngest. Oh, do I that. would let my youngest do that in a heartbeat. Okay. The oldest, but he. What did he do well? He learned a lot from it, right. and he graduated from high school, <laughs> and that's all a win. So, and he's the one that, and I had no expectation that he would ever move to Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I just thought there's not a chance in the world. Right. And he moved to Cincinnati. He said he, he said, "Hey, Dad, I want to move to Cincinnati." I'm like, "Well, we had specifically gotten a five bedroom house just so you could have a room in the yeah. basement if you wanted to get here." And uh, he moved here, and then not too long after he moved here. He wasn't at the time. He started dating this this girl from Wisconsin, <laughs> oh. and so um, she ended up coming down as well, and um, lived with us too. So we were one of those parents that let. She lived in my Upstairs. daughter's bedroom because she'd gone to college by the time on right. the second floor. Yeah. Tim's bedroom was in the basement on the first floor, and there was some barbed wire and some razor <laughs> wire like that in between. Oh, but, they find a way. But we 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 um, it, that was a that was a, a fun. I mean, it, it turned out really well. I got to got to baptize her. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I got to perform the wedding. Right. So it was. It's. It's. That's been a real. They, they, they've done. They've done really well. The two of them. They just right. had their first first child, who's six oh, months oh, old. Wow. So and, and it just had so, their sixth wedding anniversary. That's awesome. Uh, so you got fired based on your uh, your just own path going a different way than the churches, correct? You know, yes, yes and no. I, I'll, I'll explain that. <clears throat> I was the spiritual growth pastor. If you can tell me how to measure spiritual growth, mm. yeah, then I'll listen. Yeah. But I probably won't believe you because I just don't think you can measure it. Because mm. I know that in my life, it, 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 it's not a chart like tra- it's not right. a chart that trends upwards. It's a chart that jumps all over the place. And right. there, you know, there are valleys and there are deserts and there are mountaintops and there are. You and know. the valleys and deserts are also spiritual growth too. Oh, that's where yeah. a lot of it happens. Right. As probably more so than on mountaintops. Right. And in so many cases, if, if if I look back in my life and say, when did the spiritual growth really happen? Chances are pretty good that there was somebody who was walking alongside of me during that growth period. Mm-hmm. It, it it almost almost in every case there was somebody who was helping me walk that that part of my life, either positively or tough times. Um, so anyway, spiritual growth is, is, I don't believe that you can measure it. I think you can look back and see it sure. and, and all of that. Um, and so then I, I'm going to pass that along to, I talked to, to, um, one of your leadership team the other Nate night. Beth? No, Nate. Nate Brown. And, and I told him, I said, my issue with churches is when you look at scripture, Every reference that I see, and you guys are the pastors, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. But well, we every, know everything. Every, every <laughs> reference I see, it refers to the body of Christ as fathers like sons, yep. mothers like daughters, brothers, sisters. All of the terms are family terms. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we deal with them 
that that's how we're supposed to to function. That's right. And yet we take our churches and we we, we run them like corporations. Mm, I agree. And and so <clears throat> that to me was if, if I had to nail it down or or or, 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 or distill it all down, I would say it, it's because I didn't want to run it like a corporation. Mm -hmm. uh, you you're especially in the area of spiritual growth. You're not going to give me a matrix and say how are you doing on all these things, um, because the things that I think are probably going to help people grow spiritually are probably not the things that God's going to use. Mm. And it's going to be something, and, and I, I believe, in the, especially in the spiritual growth area, you want, and I'm, and I'm talking personally, is that I would just want to be aware. I mean, if, if I can help somebody be aware of what God's trying to do, mm. they're going to grow. Mm. Um, but if they're, if they're keeping a, a daily quiet time or writing in a journal every day so they can say, they kept a daily quiet time yeah. or wrote in a journal mm -hmm. every day. I, I don't see God blessing that very often. Mm -hmm. But the people that do it because they, they feel passionate about it and they want to, right. I see God blessing that. Mm -hmm. But if you put that on a matrix and I say, well, how many of your congregation are keeping daily journals? How many of your congregation are in a Bible study? How many of your congregation are in a, in a whatever? Right. I mean, it, it's the same as, as you, you put that in. I mean, then do the same thing with your kids. Right. And I'm like, my kids, I have four kids, and, and you know, after the second one, I thought, well, the third one has to be like one of the first two, right? And wrong. Right. Fourth one, well, can't be completely different than three because they're right. all no. I mean, we're all all over the yeah. place, and so that's that's probably yeah. one of the things that I'm most passionate about is yeah. is my spiritual growth track and the track and me running after Jesus is going to look a lot different than yours oh, yeah. and a lot different than I had yours. to learn that in marriage. I, I, I judged my wife in the beginning on, a, on a, something that I thought and she quickly put me in my place. <laughs> <laughs> you can. I was like, oh, we all... Kind of, yeah, that was one of my first yeah. big lessons. And, um, you know, and, and, and the lessons that we learn, I mean, you know, if we... If we, if we sometimes we go to the desert. Right. We don't just end up there. Sometimes we go there on our, on our own. Yeah. Do you read Richard Rohr? Oh, I haven't. Uh, everything, basically, his whole book is everything you just said about. He's really into awareness, and his big thing is uh, spending time in the belly of the whale. He'll, he'll use, yeah. uh, well, he's a Jesuit, and yeah. the, the more I explore, the more I realize that our the older the denomination, the more reasonable they are about these kind of things. The Catholic right. Church has a system that allows you to go through your ups and downs along your right. journey. It doesn't yeah. expect you to be on a constant trajectory up. Right. The Orthodox had the same thing, and even the Presbyterians and the Anglicans and the Lutherans, the older Protestant denominations do, Evangelicals are still so young, and they're still so adolescent in their approach to things that they, everything's got to be fixed and right and fast and moving, and they act like yeah. teenagers a lot, and so... Well, I mean, he says that about prayer, too, in that book, he'll say, because the whole thing, the whole book's about prayer, although it takes a while to get to it, that, you know, as Westerners, our prayers are, I think I said this the other night, because I just read it, um... We want something. We have to get something. We're trying to achieve with our prayer. And he would say prayer is more awareness and being centered and being, you know, we don't have to invite the Spirit of God to come to be with us because it is already there and it always has been there. And, um, I like it. It's really good. Anyways, everything you said reminded me of that. Um, okay, we have a similar thought on how you evaluate pastors. Like we've evaluated, yeah. pa people have passed, evaluate pastors in churches I've been a part of. Or I mean, I, what, this is the sixth pastor job I think I've had, and like... Um, Can't keep a job, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep moving, start my own. <laughs> Take my ball and go home. Can't get fired, they start uh, your own church. And then, uh, but they, you know, how do you evaluate people on different skill sets? I mean, one Jason's, one of my favorite sources, he has from the old church, he was asked, there was a dude who was like the nicest guy, awesome with, especially with uh, 
care for people in the hospital. Like that was his like golden spot. But they would make him preach, and he hated. And he wasn't even good at it. He was horrible at it. And he didn't like it. But that's how you evaluated the pastor on like this upfrontness or whoever you think he's supposed to be. When really he was, and it burned him out. Like it, he burned out, and now he actually just going and got a job for a hospital, which he's probably more happy there. Anyways, but that's yeah. I, we think all the time like okay, because you can't evaluate Jason and I on the same level. You can't evaluate me and someone else on the same level. And well, I'm gonna back up and say I don't think it's our job to do that. Right. I don't think we're supposed to evaluate you. I mean, if if God has called the two of you to be the pastors. <clears throat> excuse me, pastors of Legend Church, then God has called the two of you to be pastors of Legend Church. I can't go, well, God, I'm going to evaluate my kids today and decide which ones, or, or my kids are going to evaluate, God, I'm going to evaluate my parents today, and That's you know what? I think I'm going to fire this one. I think I need a new parent, God, so so bring me one. Macaulay Culkin did it. Well, he did. Well, and, that, and, <laughs> no, and, and how'd that work for you? Um, well, that's one of the well, blessings. No, that's of, really our good. leadership team is, has gone along, because we've said, and the thing I don't ever want to do is to say that as a pastor here, I'm above accountability or above answering to anybody but you're not i'm not but it's a different idea than saying like if if my father sins against me then i go have a conversation with him right about that, right if i sin against my church my church comes and has a conversation with me, whether it's an individual or the congregation and maybe if it gets serious enough the whole congregation has to have a conversation sure. with me but then the goal is always rehabilitation and reinstatement and and those kind of like rebirth renewals as opposed to replacing you with somebody more qualified or firing you and it's an interesting conundrum I think the church has backed itself into. But they have to have that conversation with you because they love you and care about you That's as right. their family, as their brother, as their father, as their son, as That's their right. whatever the relationship is. They have to have that conversation with you out of love, not out of you're not doing your job. That's right. Um, you know, I the, 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 the role of pastor, and that's, that's the other thing that, that I feel very strongly with is that the role of the pastor is, is the same as, you know, the, the role of the person who empties the garbage cans after the service. You yeah. know, it's, you're, you're called to do what you're called to do, and we're all called to do what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. if, if we can help each other along that route, then we so need, to help, then we need yeah. to help each other along the route. But I agree. Un- unfortunately, we put, we, we, and I'm saying the, the whole world, we, we put these pastors up on pedestals, and we expect them to be, superhuman and super Christians and you know I was I was in it long enough to know that as as pastors you guys get hammered (laughs) a lot and and scripture says that scripture says you will (laughs) and 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 so I mean it's if if we and it's when we look at our kids I think I think so much of it changes when we come back and say we look at it from a family standpoint Mm. you know what 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 is one of your kids going to do that's going to make you kick them out of the family. Right. I, I don't really think anything. I haven't found it. We have that, we've had that thought, too, like, about how would you even, yeah, how, like, when it comes to, like, well, they just need to be removed from the church or something like that. We've had people say, well, that person just shouldn't be part of the church. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, oh. I, I, don't, I don't buy it. Um, yeah. We've been, I feel like. I like the family analogy. I think it's. It's, it's, I mean, the only, it's, the it's the only one given to us biblically. It is. It, it really is. I, I even Israel a, is still, even Old right. Testament Israel is still built like a family. Right. So when you tell me a church, and if anybody says the term, you know, good business sense in dealing with the church, Ew. I'm like, you already I, lost you, me. I, I lost interest. Right. My, I, I, I don't care. My I mean, only caveat that that would be somebody who's wise and can, like, my wife's a lawyer who can help us navigate the the ins and outs of like taxation. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> the ins and outs of like taxation stuff. For the state, so we can get tax benefits. Whenever I can pull wisdom from any field, I'm all about it. 
Like I, I wanted, I want to learn those things. I just don't want them to be the driving values of a church because they're not. They're, you, they're but, foreign to the church. But you do that in your family as well. That's right. right. You, That's you, you make wise decisions and you and you rely on people who have the gift of wisdom. Yep. Absolutely. But it's 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 not elevating that to above. You know, if if you see a need in your family, one of your family members is has a a medical issue and, and you need to spend ten thousand dollars on it you don't go well that's not that doesn't make sense that, that's not wise because we we might run into financial problems later right because we have to spend ten thousand dollars on this you're going to spend it because that's and what you're going to deal do. with the ramifications and you're going to be aware that it, there could be ramifications later but you don't care that's right and that's that's where that i think right. churches we, we we put that the ramifications up here and the care down here and that that doesn't work for me it's been an interesting conundrum for us because I feel like part of what we've done for the last 10 years is deconstruct the notion of pastor around us, like what we will do and what we won't do, what we get at, what we won't be good at, what we're trying, what we won't try. I feel like we've done a fairly good job of deconstructing it. I don't know that we've always done a good job of reconstructing something right. in its place, right? So we've torn something down. Right. I don't know that we've fully articulated or thought through all the ramifications of now what has to step back in to fill that void. Yeah. But I feel like you that's... Know, one, one of the biggest compliments, and it ties in there, I was talking, I have a new roommate, mm. and, and we've only known each other for like a month. Nice. And so we were talking the other night, and I said something about, well, when I was a pastor, this happened. And he's like, oh, yeah, I forget that you're a pastor. If I remember that, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you differently or, or something like that. Like, no, and I'm like, no, 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 Don't do that, don't do that. I'm like, yeah. that's like the biggest compliment you can give me is that you forgot that I was a pastor. <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, and people, I, yeah, and the red tree do the same thing. Like, you, when they find out, they're like, I'm like, oh, this is why I didn't want to tell you. Yeah, well, and you know, and that's I think that's a that's a positive thing because that's not who you are first. Right. Right. You're, you're you're you know you're you're who you are first, and then you know it's 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 no different than we try to put labels on all of us. You know, yeah, right. who are you? Well, I'm a, you know, a, here's what I do for a living, and I'm a dad, and I'm a these things. Yeah. Well, we're we're all children, is what we are. Yeah. yeah. The I like the same. I heard somebody do the same uh, thing with the uh, armor of God. They're like. I, it's, it was one of my favorite things I heard where they, you know, the Sunday school picture is a child with the, all the stuff, and they're like, man, Ephesians was written to a church, it was written to groups, like, some of you will be the shield, some of you will be the sword, some of you will be the helmet, like, the idea that we're not supposed to wear this armor by ourselves, not that we shouldn't try some of these things, but, right. you know, there are just some of us who are going to be naturally better at these sort of things, and together, you're, you know, yeah. Well, so many tries, because eventually that eventually that falls apart right you as the leader if you're trying to run that race will always falter you'll always fail your congregation and i feel like one of the things we've said from early on is here's every damn flaw we've got laid out on the table so that you're not surprised when it happens when i get insecure and lash out at somebody you all know that i act that way <laughs> like this is not a surprise thank you for the grace and mercy you give me inside of that and let me help me do my best to do the same back to you guys and and to model that's because I the same pastor we talked about at the church I used to work at talked about how he couldn't have any friends there because he couldn't be vulnerable to people in the congregation and then he, it, it destroyed his marriage destroyed his relationship with his kids for a while like this kind of like it, it just imploded because nobody can do that it's just it's a lie right absolutely absolutely that's right on <laughs> um, here's a question <laughs> so Tom has recently been was it four weeks now in a row come to legend you always shortchange me on that, but go for it. Did I shortchange you? It's been five weeks? Six weeks? I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, do you like it? <laughs> That's the question. So, caveat it. We spent a month trying to get every person who's ever left legend because they were mad at us, at us particularly. 
to come back and be on the podcast. Not people who left to because they moved or whatever. Or... But who were actively unhappy with us or the church to come and talk to us because we don't feel like pastors are open to that kind of critique very often. And all of them were like, no. <laughs> and it was an interesting story. There was like of, one girl who said yes because she, she left because she really like, you know, wanted to find more single people or something. And so she was like, yeah, yeah I don't care, sure. And I was like, ah, you're not going to be fun. And I was the, like, the I want people the that hate us, hate us. We're trying to get in. And they were all like, I don't think that's healthy. I'm like, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's, you're the, you're the one sitting here now. So now we get to ask you I, your question. I've already forgot your question. What was uh, question? Do you like do, it? Do, have you liked the church? Do I like so it? Um, like the people and the things or my my i feel like my answer to that is no um <laughs> this is awesome i'm sad now but that's a that's a hard question yeah um i'm not attracted to the church right like the church with the capital c the, like i mean uh, this this will be funny so you're I'm not gonna very, I'm gonna be very no yeah you can't because I met Justin well, you can't be, my be, feelings, because you because I because I had some stuff at Red Tree. Yeah, right. And so I look at things that way. Yeah. I think that graphic thing you put up in front just drives me crazy. The, Which the one? The black board? and white one. <laughs> the what? That, oh, that Rorschach or whatever. Oh, it is. oh. that was just for that. That <laughs> just that service here. It'll be it'll be Ooh. new now. <laughs> then I'll come back. No. So so what I'm That's saying. That's funny. So a lot of people ask like, "What's the deal with that?" I was like, I don't know. I'm like, and that's, some of it. so, so, so what I'm that's saying, so, so what I'm telling you is, but that it's not, that's not a huge deal for me right. at all. I just looked at him going, oh, that wouldn't be my choice. And then I went yeah. on. But so I'm not attracted to the church. Right. But I'm attracted to being with other Christ followers. Right. Mm. And so far the people that I've met there have all been, yeah. they've been real. We're definitely genuine. They've been real and they've been Sometimes genuine. genuine. So I'm, I'm. I'm attracted. I'm going to say this to you, in, in, and it's going to sound like a super spiritual answer, and I don't want it to be because it's not. I'm attracted to Christ at Legend, mm. right? And that's that's the thing for me. So every time I have been there, I have gone away with something, right? And so God has spoke to me every single time I've been there, mm. and that's wild for oh. me. Um, and you know, I think the one time I told you was that song, and I don't even know oh, what yeah. it was, but it was like this one verse in the song. It was uh, the song that Mara Doyle really liked uh, that Monty was talking about that day. I remember. That was the hardest Sunday musically. Like they were all really demanding songs. <laughs> Sorry to, to train. Yeah. So so yeah. So so yeah. So am I attracted to the church? No. Do it's I like? Do I like being there? Yeah. It's interesting. I'd rather, so, yeah, that, that's that, that, I, I'm happy with that, that, that answer, answer than a whole lot of this uh, because. I would much rather you come to know Jesus at our church and be attracted to Jesus at right. our church because Jesus will always be there. Right. If you came and said, I think you guys are the most dynamic public speakers, well, next week we might not be. Oh, yeah. Right? The, show, right. We, the show's going to falter. If you think, the show's not very good on Sunday morning anyway, but if that's what you're there for, it's going to slip. Right. Or you're going to have like this past Sunday. Right. There was a, an awkward like VBS Sunday that was about celebrating families and kids, and it was a good time. It would never have flown in any of the mega churches in the city because it was not very well produced and very well like timed and organized and those kind of things. And you know what? I smiled more probably last Sunday That's right. than, than I did the That's previous right. Sundays. And, and I, I, and I caught myself that and I'm going, I don't know any of these kids. I don't know any of these people. I don't know the two ladies who are up front. Mm-hmm. I don't know anybody. Yeah. So I mean, I really, it really, I didn't have anything personally invested in any right. of these people. I mean, I recognize oh, a nice. couple of your kids. But yeah. I'm like, but yet, you know, I was like, these kids had an experience, and I mean, especially the teenagers. Yeah. I mean, they were, 
I, I was I was excited to see them to be willing to say, you know, you, I think it was your son <laughs> Man, who said, I don't know, I didn't get nothing. And, like, <laughs> and you know that's and you know that's not true, right? But he felt comfortable saying, yeah. It. yeah. And, I, and I'm like, oh, that's 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 <laughs> awesome for for teenagers to be able to say it. And a couple of other answers were, you know, kind of out there, but it was like that's that's where kids should feel safe yeah. there. And I think that's. Right. You know, it was like a family discussion. I'm going to go back to my analogy of a yeah. family. It seems, you know, it seems more family right. related than it than it is a show or. So I'd, it's not. Have we talked to you about the church audit that we're doing? No, but Nate did. Okay, so we're doing this process, and it's through some of the folks from the Big Vineyard who who do the show maybe better than anybody in right. the it's ever done it in the city. And their first response, their first reaction to Legend was like, "You've created a really good environment." The worship is genuine. The people are friendly. Your your preaching and teaching is good. Everything else here sucks in terms really? of like the church. I think what find similar, the damn place. similar to what you meant when you talk about the I church. I in the building like, and know where to go. Yeah, it's yeah, just not well organized. It's work not, on Google Maps. Getting to that building is a pain in the ass. There's it just is. no way to explain it how is. to get there. It is the first time I'm like going. They're like going. I'm like following Google Maps to get there, and it's like you're at McDonald's. It doesn't exist. <laughs> I'm like, well, it has to exist. And so there so, is, and that's kind of funny. And it is trying to figure out like what is. So we've spent so again with the deconstruction, we spent so much time throwing out the baby with the bathwater. What are the things that we should bring back in that we throw out? Like one of the things sure. we we did this. We used this example before on this podcast. We did this ten great dates program. This was the cheesiest damn thing in the world, but it was really helpful to our people and the experience. Yeah, the presentation the sucked. Thing I've ever the book seen. wasn't very good. The experience in and of itself was great and honest and real and good for people that were really struggling in their yeah, marriages. They're really like, just oh, having a rough spot it's... because it's January and whatever. And so I think that we've done that a lot as a church where we've said, oh, if we would just do some of these common things right. that every church does because they're important and realize that the packaging doesn't mean anything. It's the experience happening inside of that package where the Holy Spirit has room to breathe and move. Yeah. Because the funny thing is that's, so that's probably the most cheesy Christian thing I've ever seen at our church at 10 Great Dates. I mean, the people on the screen were just ridiculous. And what's funny is we're sitting there in a living room of about uh, 14 couples from our church watching this video. And they're talking, it's a husband and wife talking about how they have issues in their marriage. And the one issue that they really have to tackle is mending their schedules together. And a girl in our church goes, are you fucking kidding me? She goes, mending your schedule? She's like, I don't think she's ever told him that I fucking hate you and want you to die. Because I said that to my husband because we have some issues. Like, I don't think she ever even gets what's going on. I was like, this is awesome. This is why I love our church. Uniquely legend. I was like, like, my wife's like, yeah, there's some times where I'm like, if you died, it wouldn't be bad right now. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Uh, but but which, family, which, which is real. Families yeah, it's have, real. Families exactly. have these conversations because you but can't do anything else. Right. You have to be able to. It's and probably for a while you do. At some point you have to break down and just have an honest conversation about what's wrong between you. Right. Um, which is where the show actually gets really hard. There was a there was a Sunday morning where me and somebody else in the church got into a screaming match over top of our audio board over top of like six teenagers who were helping us volunteer that morning, screaming at each other. By the end of the day, we were friends again because. We were just having a rough day, right? Stuff just happened. We could both apologize to each other. We could both make it meet. That does, in a corporate environment, now we have to have a meeting, and that meeting has to be documented, and the files have to go to the paperwork and those kind of things because we don't treat people like people. Um, I've, I've actually really struggled with it because I think, like you do, that it's about family. Church, other people don't know what to do with church and structure like family. 
Well, my, I don't know if you all watched, saw the movie The Shack. I didn't. I didn't. People here love it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a great movie. And it, it was, CC, you had a class why about how to refute it. It's tough. They're wrong. They're wrong. I'm going to tell you they're wrong. But 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 the, but the thing is that the, the point of that whole thing is is the, there's the woman who's screaming at the screen. God is especially fond of her, mm. and that's the, that's the thing that I think we as churches miss so many times. And and you know, what Satan means for evil, God will use for good. Sure, no question. And so having gone through a divorce, I've seen the way church people have treated me, mm. and and I'm like, you know what? You know, the first thing out of their mouth, God hates divorce. I'm like, absolutely he does. You know what? God Thanks for the divorce. encouraging thought. I, I hate divorce too. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. It's right. like me and God have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? God loves me. Right. And God, you know, and, and I love him. And, and so he's especially fond of me. And, and I was going through a really rough day one day, and I was helping a buddy do some tile work, and I walked into the house, and there was this piece of broken tile by the front door, and it was written in pencil. It said, Tom... God is especially fond of you. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's right. Yeah. You know, but he's, he's been through two divorces and has gotten the judgment of the church ladies. Um, yeah. and, and so, I mean, he, he, he got it where I, was, where I was at at that point. And I'm like, that's, that, you know, my mother, as you can imagine, and father for that matter, being fairly legalistic, God has done amazing things in their life. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I, I, I talk to her almost every night. She understands grace so much more than she did yeah. 40, 50 years ago. But, um, you know, obviously divorce, having her son get a divorce was not on her... That wasn't plan A. Not, not on her wish list. Mm-hmm. It's not on anybody's wish list. Right. Um, but anyway, it, it, it is what it is. And, uh, um, you know, she doesn't hate me. Hmm. And, but yet we think God hates the divorcee right. rather than God loves the divorcee. Right. You know, God hates all sin. Right. I mean, you know, when, when you go through, when you're a little bit off track on something, God hates it. Yeah. Right. Just yeah. like you do with your kids. You hate to see your kids yep. get off track. Right. But you I, still yeah. want to welcome them back. Right. I mean, it had, love them. like, one of the biggest decisions I ever had to make was when I decided to officiate gay weddings, and it had everything to do with, I know a lot of gay people, and the only thing I'm supposed to do is to love them, and this is one thing I can do, and people got really mad about that, and they were like... Because that actually the thing that sort of set it off, where I was like, okay, is this something I should be a part of? Something I should do? It was a really, really long decision, like a year-long decision, uh, and it was hard. But the actually with the one person who left their church because of it, it was him who sat me down. He's like, don't you feel like God's gonna hate you if you do this? And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, no, no. Well, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna do it now because <laughs> you're right. I was like, even if I'm doing the worst thing that ever is imaginable, which I don't think I am. Uh, God's not gonna hate me. I'm all right. Let's do that. This, so, this is pretty easy. It was uh, it was that it was him. He's like, don't you feel like God's gonna hate you? And I was like, I don't feel like that. All right. <laughs> not for you. this. <laughs> By the time God gets to this on the list of reasons He hates me, I'm gonna be like, fine, I give it. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I just don't. I, agree. I, I had a youth group kid. I mean, and I'm not saying you made the right decision. I'm not because I, I. But but, you don't know. but the thing is. Right. You know what? What God calls you to do may be very different yeah, than what God, and I agree with that. Than what God calls and, me to you know, do, and, and it may have nothing to do with. You know, God may tell me because you know I'm an ordained pastor. I can marry people too. Right. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> anyway, God may tell me no, don't do it. That's right. And, and, he, and he may tell you that it's okay to do it. And, and I it agree has nothing with that. to do with the people that are getting married. It has to do with, with with you. Right. And I, and I think and his his love that for us. is the beauty. I think I think if it was 
okay, this is now has to be how everyone thinks. No. And I would think that's wrong. Yeah, I like... Because like, Jason freedom. Uh, at the time was like, oh, I wouldn't do it. But um, he's like, you would, and that's fine. And I actually, people in our church like that. Like, oh, we have one pastor who kind of would one, and that's they like that balance too because I don't think it does show. But I... Uh, well, I don't think that's right. I think if the two of you are going to be co-pastors, you should be exactly the same. The, um, I mean, <laughs> the most Christian... you should give so up all I, the gifts that God gave you. So when <laughs> once, like... carbon copies of each other. Once, like, Facebook pictures start floating around, I start getting, like, really hateful, like, emails, and, like, I was blackballed from certain communities. Well, and what's interesting with that is whatever I thought about that issue before, I've completely changed my mind now because of the, I don't want to be associated with the people that are treating him in that way. And in um, a bipolar world, I... If you're going to make me choose sides, okay. I was talking to somebody at our, at our church this morning. I was like, you know what? You're doing everything you can to err on the side of grace and mercy. I'm, I'm going to take that. If, if I have to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, I boxed this one because I was trying to be as loving, as graceful, and merciful as I can. That's all I got. If the, if the answer is, Jesus, I botched this because I was trying to be right. Or Jesus, I botched this to protect your honor and your name. Jesus didn't go out of his way to protect his honor and his name. Right? He went right. out of his way to sully his honor and his name all the time. Right. Everything he did sullied his honor and his reputation. Well, he doesn't need me to defend him. Right. Well, hopefully you're doing it not to be edgy. Right. That's right. Oh, no. Well, and but you're, you know, doing it, you're doing it to show, show the love of, of, of God yeah. to these people. Because that's uh, hopefully what you're you know, because one guy was like, "Well, I would easy." One guy was like, "I would never do." I was like, "That's awesome." I don't think you have any gay friends are going to ask you anyway, so it doesn't (laughs) matter. But like, no, the most Christian response I got was from this lady who's a friend of my mom's, and she babysat me when I was little, and she's an older lady, and she's she's like, "Justin, I don't I don't understand why you would do this. This is wrong." And I was like, "Okay," and so I I sent her something that I wrote, and I talked about it, and she came back, and she goes, "Well." I don't understand it, but it does sound like you're doing what God's called you to do, so do it. And I was like, that is the best response. Yeah, it's not your thing, it seems to me. And, and I don't understand it. Yeah. And yeah, like, you don't have to. You don't have to. And I don't answer to you. Then I no, saw right. her. I one master. She, her son actually coached a team that played against Xavier. So they were actually, they're from West Virginia, but they were here. So I went and had lunch with them. And uh, I got a little tipsy, I think, because we were drinking a couple of beers. And. She looks, she's like, oh, she asked me about it again, and I almost started crying. I was like, I just think that everyone deserves a seat at the table once we die, and she just lost it. She's like, you're right, they do, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> my- well, well it's, it's, like, it's like everything else. I mean, it's not my job to convict right. you of your sin. That's right. Now, yeah. if, if you're convicted of your sin, and, and I can help you, That's right. and I can walk that path with you, I want to do that, but it's not my job to right. go, you know what? Here's what scripture says. Right. right one, one of the best things that somebody told me, and they're not really good at it, but they told me it anyway, was <laughs> was they said, too many of us as Christians, we hold the Bible up facing outward, mm-hmm. saying, here's what the Bible says when the Bible was written for us. Mm-hmm. The Bible right. was written for me. Your Bible was written for you. Right. Your Bible wasn't written to be used as, as a, a weapon. weapon against right. me. Right. You know, until, and I, I've said this a hundred times too, until you think I really care about you, until you think that I really love you, you don't really care what I have to say. Yeah. Right. Yep. You know, and, and probably if I don't love and care for you, I haven't earned the right, right. to 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 yeah. speak right. anything into your and life. And you have a love and care other than, hey, not, how's it going? You're not gonna be asking to do your wedding. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I saw on a different topic with same thought. I saw I think it was MacArthur wrote this blistering email at dudes like Driscoll and Chan and all these guys for their drinking, because he's been a teetotaler his whole life. But he said it'd be different if you really liked beer. I get the sense you're only doing this to be edgy and cool. And that's never the way a pastor should lead a church. And I was like, that's 100% right. 
I drink beer not because we're edgy cool, because I just really like beer. And I have friends who really enjoy beer. And so that's what, and because Kim and I are having this conversation, if you don't want to drink, don't drink. I don't care what, like, you're a grown person who should just do the things you enjoy doing. You don't need to impress me. That's, we're not high schoolers anymore. Um, no, absolutely not. And that's one of the things that sort of is to, like, I'm just not chasing demographics and cool and that kind mm. of stuff. Because it just, it's so fleeting, especially in a world now where everything's 30 seconds new. Mm. Um, yep. I can't, I can barely keep up with what I got, much less whatever's new. Yeah, that Richard Rowe book, he talks a lot about the second half of your life is the best, the smartest part of your life oh. like, for everyone. Like, Trust and me. I feel like I'm getting there now. I'm like, oh, I don't care about things as much as I used to. I used to, I used to fight me. about baptism. Can you imagine that? Mm-hmm. Me, yeah, of all yeah. people, but fighting about baptism because I, like, you know. I went through a church split on that. Oh, really? On baptism? I went through a church split on a building. And, and, and I've held up an anti-abortion sign at a protest. So. No, I had to. I went to the rallies in D.C. I'm not really happy about that. But mm-hmm. I, uh, my, my story is I, I, have, had, I have some regrets. You just but, grow, right? Well, I was in Rockford. I think what it does for me is it helps me understand when I see those people yeah. and, and I want to judge them. <laughs> oh, wait. I was. Where's, I was. where's the mirror? <laughs> well, I was in heavily involved in Rock for Life in college because it was the first time I my Christianity had a subculture that I thought was cool. It was like, you know, punk rockers and it was, you know, anti-abortion songs. And so I was just in... It's part of that. I was like, oh, all these people PZ are Christians too. Or whatever and it really <laughs> was this like... Cultish yeah. sort of thing XJ, where like I'm never gonna say that. Oh. So I was gonna be R- and then like I remember being like <laughs> I'm never gonna say I, that. I wasn't right. following you, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> but I was in this subculture. I remember thinking like, yeah, and I had this shirt that I thought was the coolest shirt. It was um it's probably not a lady pointing a gun at her pregnant stomach, and then it had a Bible verse. Oh, you wow. knit me together in your mother's womb, and I wore it. And I worked at Pacific Sunwear in 1997 at, at uh, Tri County Mall. And I'm there, and there's this girl, and she goes, aren't you, like, a Christian? I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, why would you ever wear that shirt? And I was like, it's just abortion's not cool, <laughs> whatever I said. And she goes, well, if I was ever considering it, or if I had an abortion, you're the last person I'd ever want to talk to, because obviously this is what you think of me. And I was like, I've done something horribly wrong. <laughs> I was like... And I went home and I, we burned, I burned things, I like to burn things. So I burned the shirt and I was like, I can't be a part of this culture anymore. And that's where I changed. Sort of things like, that the nice about the moderateness of the Presbyterian church growing up is that I was never pushed in any sort of extreme. I think they've gotten more extreme as they've gotten older and just, they've gotten more conservative, I guess is the way to put that in a healthier way. But I never got, but I spent a lot of time at seminary begging 22 year olds to not say things they were going to regret when they were 40. I was like, I know you've got, I know you've got the world by the balls right now. I know you've got it all figured out, and you can fix all of us. You're gonna really wish you hadn't said that that way ten years from now, and twenty years from now it's gonna be even worse. And you can't like, and I feel like an old man saying that, but I was 33 with two kids. I wasn't 23 just coming out of Bible college, and that there is just a point where you like, just slow, down, just slow down. And but I was always that nice about it. It's that cliche: the older you get, the less you know. And That's right. It's there's. I'm much less sure now than I was. You just wasted on the young. Mm, No. (laughs) Um, All right, we should probably stop because this is a long podcast for us. That is a long one. Usually we're at the 45. It's because you're a good one to talk to. There's only been a few where I felt like, okay, what else am I going to say here? (laughs) I like talking. Uh, and well, questions. thanks for coming in. Thanks for being a part of our church. It's it's good to see you every Sunday morning and Even though appreciate you don't your insight. Like <laughs> I, I I hope you keep meeting Jesus there. <laughs> not worth not worth what I say. You motherfuckers need Jesus. Jesus. Hey.